0: Before Thee let my cry come me, O oh Lord, true to Thy word, teach me. Before We are thankful that you are able to join us today as Pastor Mark Robinette preaches another sermon at Foundation Church here in Mount Sterling, Ohio. If this message is an encouragement to you, and we pray that it will be, Greetings this Lord's Day, this first day of Advent, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Greetings. Look around the room, guys, and you'll see things are a little bit different today. See the new banners are up for Advent. Their Christmas wreaths are on the window. Uh, Poinsettias and other Christmas decor around. Special time of year. Um, In the coming four weeks leading to Christmas, we will be reminded... How the world waited for the coming Messiah. Can you imagine living in a world where Christ had not come yet? Where there was no hope of salvation. Where you were always having to earn and pay for and, and all that for, uh, for perceived forgiveness. And in the, Each week as we gather we'll be focusing on a different aspect of the waiting. This year our focus will be the first week is on hope which is today. Then we will have faith and we will have joy. The pink candle will represent joy and love. Each week we will light one of the four candles on the wreath. And on Christmas Day, when we gather again, um, we will light the center candle that will represent Christ himself. After Adam and Eve fell into sin, the world seemed hopeless. But God restored their hope even amidst the curses that he placed on them. And thus began God's triumph over evil. Hope, everybody say hope, Hope. was the first light that God lit after the darkness came. That's why we're lighting it first. Our forefathers sang and played in this hope, and today as God calls us to worship, let us see the song that many believe uh, was written by Moses. You may not know this, but Moses wrote one psalm, and it's attributed to him, which is Psalm 90. Uh, But following that, there is no name attributed, but most people believe it was, Moses, who wrote it as well, number Psalm 91. And I could get into the reasons why they believe it was him. Uh, But let's hear the words of Psalm 91 as God calls us to worship. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord that he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler, and thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flies by day, nor for the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked." Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even my Most High, thou hast made him thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh unto thy dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall not bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone, and thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder. The young lion and the dragon shall thou trample under thy feet. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for calling us into your presence once again. What a great honor it is, Lord, that has been bestowed upon us, Lord, who uh, really have within ourselves no honor at all. Lord, you have been merciful to us. Lord, we come into your presence um, grateful for the forgiveness of our sins. We come before you confessing our sins and uh, looking to you to guide us and to lead us, Lord, to speak to our hearts and change us by your words. We pray, Lord God, as we come to your table today, Lord, that you would feed us from heaven. In Christ's name we pray. And all the church said? Amen. standing as we read our text here from exodus chapter one you heard the whole chapter and um, now you're just going to hear a portion of the chapter my sermon today is called the midwives and moses exodus chapter one starting in verse 12 and the egyptians were in dread of the people of israel and so they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves. Wouldn't that be terrible, guys? Yeah. <clears throat> they made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and in all kinds of work in the field. In all their work, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. Then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shiprah, and the other was named Puah. He said this. He said, when you serve as a midwife to the Hebrew women and see them on the birthstool, if it is a son, you shall kill him, but if it is a daughter, she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but let the male children live. Let us pray. Lord God, we gather today on this first week of Advent, and we want so much to see the role that hope plays Lord, we know what you have done in our lives, and according to Paul's letter to the Romans, we are saved by hope. Save us today, Lord, by the hope that we celebrate in you today. In Christ's name we pray, and everybody said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. When God made the world, it was filled with great hope. There was a perfect world. And it lay before a perfect man and a perfect woman who lived in a perfect garden. Kind of sounds great, doesn't it? God had gifted them in many ways with one another to make a whole world of a garden of goodness and loveliness. Don't, don't you wish they would have done that? Could you imagine the whole world being cultivated over the last uh, 6,000 years into gardens, and beauty with no death. Can you even comprehend what this would be like? It would be so absolutely incredible and mind-blowing. And that's what they had. They, they had all the hope in the world. All was hope until the day that disobedience came. You see, they were told that they could do anything they wanted. But there was one thing they couldn't do. And what did they do? They did that one thing. When disobedience and treachery came into the world and Eve was beguiled by the serpent, sin entered into the world and death came as a result of sin. Can you imagine a world without sin and without death? Every one of us here has been touched by sin that has brought shame on our life. It has uh, separated us from our friends and our family and from God. Death has separated us seriously from our family. There are people, um, and I don't mean to make you sad, but I saw a picture on your sister's Facebook page today. We were, today was, uh, we were wishing Aunt Julia happy birthday, and I saw a picture of your dad playing Scrabble with your mom. I'm sure you saw it too. And uh, I just thought, man, I love that man, and I, I miss him. And that's what death does. Death separates us from our loved ones. We, until we get to heaven, honey, we won't get to be with them anymore. And that's a sad deal. But this happened because of sin and disobedience. There is no doubt cast out of the garden, standing in the shame of their sins, covered by the bloody garments of sacrifice, that the hope-filled world became rather hopeless. Can you imagine the darkness of that day? Can you imagine... It, it, it would be like, you know, your whole life was set and all the glorious things that you were going to do, and you hadn't pictured it all, but now it can't be. There in the midst of their ashes, God offered them the beauty of hope. Everybody say, the beauty of hope. The beauty of hope. In the very words God curses the serpent with. He gives hope, and it's very, very subtle, and you almost miss it. Because you have done this, God said to the serpent, Cursed are you above all livestock, above all beasts of the field. On your belly shall you go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. And listen, you almost can't hear it. It's almost like a whisper. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. In these few simple words, they're, they're subtle. We don't even, we, I guarantee it. when they heard them, they almost didn't really know what that meant. They didn't see that there was some way out of death because of this. God began to shed forth the light of hope. As I said, it might be difficult even to hear them. Like It's, it's like, have you ever tried to light a candle outside in, in the sunshine? You almost can't see it, right? And that's what it was like. You couldn't even see it right now as, we, as these words were spoken but could you imagine being in that darkness you know imagine losing a loved one and somebody says well you know they're lost and they'll never come back but then they go but you never know then you go well, you mean there's hope you mean there's there's, there's there's possibly a way looking down the road where Cain trod his hands covered in the blood of Abel Eve would have despaired were it not for this hope when Seth was born, the flicker of this hope grew into a flame. And when Enosh came from the womb, the Bible says what? That men begin to do what? Call upon the name of the Lord. They started to see hope again. Time and again throughout history, when darkness covered the world and there seemed to be no source of light, what would happen? A child would be born. Everybody say, A child would be, be born. You see, God was preparing us through every. Every time a baby is born, you know what we get, Jason? We get a little hope. We say, you know what, I don't know what he's going to be. We don't know, when a baby's born, we don't know that he's going to grow up to be a Nathaniel. We don't know he's going to grow up to be a Benjamin or a Rebecca. We don't know. But it's kind of like when we meet someone and they come to Christ. We don't know who they're going to be. We don't know what they're going to be, but there's hope in it. Amen? Methuselah lived at a time... When great violence and lasciviousness filled the earth and God's anger burned against mankind and his judgment was due. He lived though to see another baby born. What was that baby's name? Everybody say his name. Noah. He became a light in the midst of a hopeless situation. And before Methuselah died, once again, hope came in the form of a little baby, his grandson, Noah. Noah. In their old age, Abraham and Sarah hoped in God's promises just as it seemed all hope of the light was gone. After they turned to the flesh for the answer of their prayers instead of God, making their darkness and their hopelessness seem even worse. Abraham taking Hagar to be his wife, Ishmael coming from this union between him and Hagar, just when it seemed all hope was gone and her womb was dead. In spite of their foolishness. What did God do? He sent hope in human form. And the little baby's name was Isaac. On and on through the pages of scripture. Men and women of God put their hope in the next child. That God would send them as another light from heaven. And they kept coming, did they not? That's really what the whole story of the Bible is. You know, the Bible tells us that our lives, they seem very important to us, but we will live and we will die. And it's very rare that anyone will even remember that we ever did. But these things that seem so insignificant is the way, as, uh, as our brother prayed today, God takes these weak and insignificant things like us and he weaves together his story. A glorious type of Christ Israel was. Israel's son came into the world named Joseph. And uh, a type of Christ too good for the brothers he was given. Suffering so they might live. Going into Egypt ahead of them to prepare the way for their salvation. And here in our text, another of these great stories. So dark, so desperate, yet the darkness of the hour sets the stage for the light to shine bright. Honestly, when I started studying for... My sermon, I had intended to just talk about Moses, but I saw something in this that was interesting and uh, exciting for me, and I hope, I hope, brings you some hope. Do you know God uses women? Everybody say, God uses women. God uses women. I'd say it might even be uh, one of my themes for the year 2016. God uses women. You can say it. Oh, he's going to be a preacher, I can tell you right now. But uh, in Exodus chapter 1, it's amazing to me uh, the way God does. Sometimes God will mention someone, it'll say a servant, or it'll say a woman, or whatever. But in in this, it it didn't say this. It it gets pretty specific. We'll read it again. The Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel. They ruthlessly made the people work as slaves. Can you imagine this? Here they were living in the best houses, they were among the best families, but now the whole nation were slaves, and they were made to build entire cities. If you ever wondered, if, you're, if you study uh, archaeology, uh, the Bible tells us they built the city of Ramses. So if we, we could go to Ramses and we could find, there will be evidence there, if they haven't found it yet, there will be evidence of the Jewish people living there. There will be evidence of a kosher lifestyle. There will be evidence that they worked in their hands. I, honey, I want to go to Ramses. I want to go to that city. And I want to touch the walls that were built by my brothers and sisters. Wouldn't that be awesome? Can you imagine that? But there they were in the darkness. They they they, they were working hard. They, they're... they're uh, Their effort was made difficult. They were given the worst nasty jobs to do. It says their lives were made bitter with hard service and mortar and brick and all kinds of work in the field. In all their work, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. When I was little, no one kind of connected the dots that here were a people that were the rulers and the best families of the land and they were made slaves i kind of missed that transition i went from the story of joseph to the story of moses and never even saw the connection of of what it would be because to be a slave is one thing to be a slave when your family were kings is a whole nother thing and that's what they were it says then the king of egypt said to the hebrew midwives one of whom was named shipra everybody say shipra Shipra. and the other name puah now i'm I'm kind of amazed about this, but uh, we don't have anyone in the church whose middle name their child, Shipra, or Pua, and Nathaniel says, don't, don't name your kids Pua, you know. It, it'd be too cruel on the playground, you know, Pua, Pua, you know, whatever. I can just imagine many, many variations of the name. But Shipra, we may throw Shipra in there. So um, he said to them, he said, when you serve as midwife to the Hebrew women... And you see them on the birth stool. If it's a son, you shall kill him. But if it's a daughter, she shall live. Could you imagine being faced with this? But everybody say, "But, but. the midwives feared God." It, isn't that a great? It, that's like there's the turning point of the story. There are many times in our life when bad things are happening. We live in America, right? And they allow this to happen, right? They allow. Gays in the military, they told our justices to issue marriage license for homosexual couples. They passed a law that says that it's okay to kill children in the womb. But, everybody say, but. But. The midwives feared God. You see, that's where the story takes its turn. There have been many times in history where they build a statue and they are going to bow down to it, right? Everyone bows down to it, but everybody say, but daniel feared god you see this is always a turning point sometimes we dread when these things happen and we go oh no and what we should be saying is but i fear god you see those situations bring out an opportunity for god's glory to be seen anyone who does this is going to be thrown in the lion's den (gasps) but daniel wasn't afraid of lions right Anyone who doesn't do this is going to be thrown in the fiery furnace. And the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But, everybody say, but. They didn't fear the fiery furnace, right? If none of those things happened, we wouldn't know the story of Daniel. We wouldn't know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We wouldn't know the story of the Hebrew midwives. But they feared God. Consider these Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shipra, the other Pua. Unlikely figures, one might think, but as we have learned, it doesn't take extraordinary men and women to do great things for God. God is always the hero of every story. And here, though in our text, these women were not merely mentioned and summed up by the title midwife, they were named Shipra and Pua. Some estimate that the Israelites had grown to a population of of more than a million some people say even three to five million can you imagine the birth rate we've had six babies this year in our little tiny church can you imagine what it would be like in a church of three million can you see why that the pharaoh was getting a little bit scared pharaoh was like whoa we got to do something there's going to be more of them than us you see they were all sophisticated and they were they all planned their families and and they didn't have a big string of children and no 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 this hey what's going on here with these israelites i'm sure there were many other midwives among the nation at this time many who heeded the warning and uh, obeyed the commands of pharaoh but these did not And this is not the first time that God uses midwives in Scripture. I don't know if you know, if you remember this, but in Genesis 35, Jacob, his wife Rachel, is travailing in birth. And she is struggling. Genesis 35, Jacob called the name of the place where God spoke to him, Bethel. But they journeyed away from Bethel and they were only a little way and they came to Ephratah. Everybody say Ephratah. Does that that sound familiar to you? Ephratah? Does anybody know what Ephratah is another name for? But thou, Bethlehem, Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, out of thee shall come one who shall be ruler. Right? And so here we are, and I thought this was interesting too. They came to Bethlehem. And somehow, you may not have remembered, like many, that Rachel was travailing in birth for her son. And here she was. She's in hard labor. It came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said unto her, Fear not, thou shalt have this son. And as she was dying, she called out a name for the son, and she named him. Anybody remember what it was? Benoni. And as her soul was departing, it says in verse 18, and she died, she called his name Benoni, but his father instead called him Benjamin. And Rachel died and was buried in the way to Ephratah, which is Bethlehem. So there that midwife was there at that time of great sorrow for Jacob as his wife Rachel died. She's a type of the church, and that's a whole other sermon we could even do, but here she is in Bethlehem, dying in the place where Jesus would be born. A few chapters later, chapters later, the birth of Phares and Zerah. They were the twin sons of Tamar. Uh, in Genesis thirty-eight, it came to pass at the time of travail that behold, twins were in her womb. And it came to pass when she travailed that one put out his hand, and the midwife took it and bound his hand with a scarlet thread, saying, This came out first. And it came to pass as she as he drew back his hand, and behold, his brother came out, and she said, How is it that thou hast broken forth? This breach be upon thee. Therefore his name was called Phares, and afterward came out his brother that had the scarlet thread on his hand, and his name was Zarah Without this quick work of the midwife, none would have known that the first hand belonged to the second son. Right? Here in Exodus chapter 1, the role of Shipra and Puah in the life of God's people was a labor of great skill and tenderness and wisdom and it still is today. It takes a special person to be there for this multifaceted undertaking. Many of you have birthed your children at home or in hospitals uh, with the aid of the midwife and I have met Kathy uh, several times uh, in your homes uh, at, you know, at the birth of different children and I know what a gifted instrument she has been in the hands of God. She has Served nearly every woman in this church in one way or another, even though we haven't used a midwife, she's been there for you uh, when, when you were there and the others that were there to bring you comfort and, and knowing that she's there is a great comfort. Amen? Amen. Try to imagine, though, if you will, what must have been like at the time of Exodus chapter 1. No ultrasounds. Everybody say, no ultrasounds. No, no emergency rooms nearby. No birthing pools. Every one of you has had at least one birthing pool uh, catastrophe, right? Where you couldn't find the nozzle or the hot water or whatever you panicked, right? But try to imagine, if you will, what it must have been like for them. Many women and babies died when things went wrong. Shipra and poor were not only gifted to help bring life, but they were acquainted with the sorrow of death on a scale that we cannot imagine. Being there, no doubt, many times to see the grief and anguish, the deep sorrow of the would-be mothers, the widowed fathers, expected to be greeted with the joyous cries of their newborns. I'm not sure if these two women were partners, but they are listed here together. And as we can see in our text, they were now being called upon to kill the newborn sons that they were helping bring into the world. Can you imagine being asked to do something so horrible? But you know what I like? And I dreamed about I dreamed about this last night. Like, I just kept thinking about it and thinking about it. You know what they could have done? They could have said... We'll never do that. You can't make us do that. We will never do it because we fear the Lord and we would never do it. That's what they could have done, right? But that's not what they did. They did something else. And what they did is another response. You know, to be a hero and to be a person that serves God, you don't always have to be the one who just stands up and says, just kill me because I'm never going to do it. Just go ahead and throw me into the fiery furnace. Just go ahead and throw me to the lions. I'm not going to do it. I mean, I, I think I know a few people in here that would be like that. But did you know there's another way to be used by God? And it's being wise and being shrewd. Everybody say, being wise and being shrewd. And being shrewd. This story is so interesting to me because they didn't go, we'll never do it. What they essentially did was go, okay. Okay. Got it. I got all the information that I need. Sure, Pharaoh will help you right out. But they turned around and did what? They didn't do it. And, you know, Steve read it in the King James and I don't, and, and the King James is a little bit difficult to understand. But what happens here is the scripture tells us because they fear God, okay? that there were many families that were added to Israel that would have never been. You see, this wasn't over like a week period of time or a two-week period of time. This is a lifetime of service. How many babies do you think Kathy the midwife has delivered? We don't know, right? But imagine a thousand families... Or 500 families that now will have young men to marry wives and start families that would have never existed. And so what God's Word is telling us here is that these midwives, because they fear the Lord, you see, you know what they knew? They knew that Pharaoh wasn't going to get up at 2 o'clock in the morning and go over and make sure the birthing pool got filled up. They knew that when when, uh, someone was having difficulty in labor, they're like, oh, maybe four more hours. Pharaoh didn't have time to come and sit and wait to see, well, is it going to be a boy? Can we kill him or do something? No. These women were shrewd and they were smart. And you know what they said? They're like, you know what? Pharaoh, he, he thinks he knows what a midwife's all about. And he thinks he can control this situation. But you know what? He doesn't have time for it. And you know what? I know what we're going to do. We're just going to, we're going to let all the boys... Every boy that's born is going to be born before we get there. <laughs> now you might go, well, they lied and, and they deceived and they disobeyed and they didn't obey. Hey, they fear God. And did you know fearing God sometimes calls us to do things, you know? I'm thinking of the people, and I'm not against all these people that... Won't bake cake for for gay weddings or or won't do this. I'm not against them, but I just as I was dreaming about this last night, I was thinking, what if what if their oven broke the day before, or what if they ran out of flour, or what if while they were carrying their cake they made for the the gay wedding, what if they just dropped it every time? I don't really know. This is I'm really clumsy, you know. And I, there's really no time. I know your wedding starts in two hours. I really don't have time to make it. I'm so sorry. You think, you think you could file suit against them for tripping and dropping their cake? But do you know a lot of accidents happen in the bakery, right? Right? I know, I'm a little bit crazy. But there is a shrewdness, there is a, a, a wisdom and that, that, that is courageous. That You know what it does? When you hear about this, what does it do in your heart? Everybody say, it gives you hope. Right? You may be we may be at a time when they pass all these laws and regulations, and you might go, Oh, I'm terrified. Our our pastor, you know, is going to go to jail, or they're going to try to make us do this, or they're going. To... Did you know we can be smart? We can be shrewd. And God can give us wisdom like this. And you might go, Well, I don't know, I don't know how right it is to be shrewd. And folks, they called him in. They called him in on this. The king of Egypt said, Hey, uh, What's going on here? Now, I know that uh, there's all these little babies born everywhere. And, and, and we don't really know. And they said, well, the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous, and they give birth before the midwives comes. You know what the next verse says? So God dealt well with the midwives. Why? Because they weren't brave as Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Or because they were shrewd and they feared God and there was another way of serving God. Amen. You see, the midwives lied to save the lives of little boys. But it was a good and righteous thing to do. We know this because God blessed their work. The people multiplied. They grew very strong. And because the midwives feared God, He gave. it says he gave them families. That's the way it reads in the King James. But what, what it, if, you, if you read it, it's not that he gave the midwives families. It's that he gave families to the people of Israel and they grew and they multiplied. Isn't that kind of cool? You know, God can use... You children, you, you may seem little and you may say, Well, I, you know, I'm going to do this. You know, I'm going to be uh, doing hair or I'm going to be... Uh, <clears throat> you know doing farming or I'm going to be working in the deferred compensation program and you might say how can I be used of God you can be used of God in everything that you do whether you're a woman or a man whether you're insignificant you see midwives are never they're not thought of by too many people as being the most important people i mean if you meet someone and you say i'm a doctor what does everybody do they kind of stand up straight wow he's a doctor but if someone says i'm a midwife people might go oh okay yeah they they're into witchcraft something like that (laughs) people don't what is that i'm into midwifery oh okay you you must just like babies right but that is that is like the body of christ the bible says has parts and some of them are more comely than others and i'll tell you one part of the body of christ that that may not seem comely to get up in the middle of the night and to go sit with women and to hold their hand and to be with them through pain and anguish and and difficulty. Aren't you glad that Kathy was there with you? Yeah. And in that situation, you needed someone who could make a decision and you needed someone who could bring calmness. I I remember Dr. Friday bringing calm to us in that moment that we needed it. Because the midwives fear God, Israel was filled with little boys who took wives, they made families. The work of these two women changed their world, their little part of the world, obscure and unheralded as it was. God trumpeted for all of us to observe. Their courage brought hope to Israel and their courage and shrewdness caused Pharaoh to order this. Verse 22, Pharaoh charged all to the people saying every son that is born you shall cast into the river, but every daughter you shall save alive. Now I got to reading that, Jeff, and you know something occurred to me. The courage and wisdom of Shippah and Puah inspired the mother of Moses. She did throw her son into the river. <laughs> did she not? He just happened to be in a basket. <laughs> you see how they could obey the law. And throw your son into a river, but put him in a basket. And so, that's what she did. And not only did she put him in a basket, but she followed the basket around. Birth of Moses. Now a man from the house of Levi went and took a wife of the Levite woman. The woman conceived, bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. In which she could hide him no more, she took him from the basket and, and made of bulrushes. She dabbed it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the river. And his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done of him. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her young women walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman and she took it. And when she opened it, she saw a child and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, this is one of the Hebrew children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. And so the woman took the child and nursed it. And when she grew older, when he grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son, and she named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. Moses was the hope of the people of Israel. And it's amazing to me how God uses his mother who is unnamed. He uses his sister who is who is unnamed, which may may uh, well we don't know exactly which sister it was at this point in the story. And, and we know that there were nurses and then we know that there were Pharaoh's daughter. These are all who? Everybody say women. And all the stories surrounded by these women, these Nurses that seemed insignificant, this job that seemed insignificant, but it was the hope of Israel. As this great hope filled Israel because of the courage of the midwives, may today it fill our hearts. As we remember how God used a baby, baby after baby to light the world with hope, may we rejoice as God sends us children. We had six children this year and we got how many, three more coming, babe? If all we do is just keep having babies, uh, you know, in, in a few years, we'll we'll have, to buy, we'll have to build a new building. Of course, we can kind of squeeze them in since they're little. Uh, may we offer them to God from their youth as Moses' mother did, as Samuel's mother did. May we not see children as difficult burdens, money, and work, but may we see them as the building stones of a lively temple that the Lord dwells within. Can we say amen? May we not be tempted to see them as this world as a kingdom for our own use and our children as pride for us, but may we see them as lent to us for a time by God. I cannot emphasize this enough. Our children are not the hope of our future. They're the hope of the future of the church. And God gives them to us. And I'm telling you, I feel very much like these are my kids. And I want them all. I would like to have a piece of land and build a house and then live all around me. And I want all the children to come and see me. And I want to be with them all on holiday for me, me, me. That's what I really want. Just tell you the honest God truth. But you know what, God says they are they're his and folks i'm telling you you know in the same way if you save your life you will lose it if you try to build your life around you and your children's lives around you it's going to be a sad life but if you build your life around the kingdom if you lose your life if you lose your children and i don't mean you know just to horrible tragedies. But I'm saying, you say, you know what? If God calls Elizabeth to be the wife of a man somewhere else, or my son to marry and go do the work of the kingdom of God, if none of our children are here, but they're all serving God, raising families for the kingdom, leading churches, doing mission work, serving God as a midwife or as a doctor or a lawyer or whatever it is, they are not mine. Amen. They are the hope of the church and of the story that God is doing. May we not give them back to God, but may we be grateful, may we not just give them back to God, but be grateful that He has answered our prayers, that He has allowed us to be a part of His eternal work, of the building of the kingdom. May we understand that we cannot outgive God, that when we give to Him, He blesses us, He opens the windows of heaven, He pours out upon us blessings that we cannot contain. You see, when we lose our children, or when we, the, they're not our hope, but we see that the hope, you know what ends up happening? We end up enjoying them and having so much fun and so much, you know, those things that are built on Christ last. Amen? When you build them on the Robinette name or you build them on the Robinette family and you try to make a dynasty out of it, you really, really miss the whole point. The point is that there is a dynasty and there is a kingdom and it's His. Amen? I'm sure that dark days are ahead of us as the judgment of God falls upon the church who has turned from him, and a country whose pride has endeavored to exalt itself above God. Even now, his judgment is like the black storm clouds of Noah's days, the reign of ISIS, the ever-increasing godless government encroaching upon us. We have not allowed the God of heaven to govern us, to be our king, so he sends us taskmasters who will make us weary of our own ways. I pray that Donald Trump becomes a hero for righteousness in our country, but he may be a whole other kind of godless taskmaster to punish the church. We do not know. But I pray that he appoints judges that outlaw abortion. I pray that he restores the dignity to our country that allows us to uh, honor our allies like uh, Great Britain and like Israel like we have never done before. I thought it was amazing. In the news when Fidel Castro died, uh, Obama sent out a heartwarmed uh, tweet saying, history will judge Castro. And that's taken from a Castro speech. I don't know if you know this. It's a famous word. And what he's saying is, is that one day I'll be vindicated for the great man I am. And so Obama tweeted this out as if to say, one day Fidel Castro will be known as a great man. And Donald Trump tweeted out, Castro is dead with an exclamation point. <laughs> so, may more tweets come out of the White House like that. You know, that regime has been a regime of hatred and oppression and death and suffering, and the people were in the streets celebrating in Cuba. They were not in Cuba, they weren't allowed. They were celebrating in, in Florida and all over the country. And may, we, we have, may God bless us with these things. May the God of heaven send us godly children who can and will send forth the light in the darkness who will speak the word of god who will by their good works be candles Yea, a city set on a hill the hills of this world that they may see the good works of these children and glorify our father which is in heaven people we need to lead our children let us all lead our children in good works show them by our offerings of what we have our time our resources show them our faith in the god of heaven The God who owns not only the cattle on a thousand hills, but he owns the hills too. Let us ever look for ways for our faith to work. This is homeschooling at its best. When we don't do this, it's at its worst. They will be like us, not just like the self-sacrificing people in the books that we give them. So everybody say this with me. "Thy Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Oh, come, oh, come, me, man, you well, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God. the You see, we sing about the coming of Emmanuel as we enter into this advent season because we are so thankful he has come into the world, but we ask more and more each day that he would come in our lives and that this week we would remember hope and how hope <laughs> saves, that we would, by our courage and by our shrewdness and our wisdom, And by the grace of God, show the world that there is something to be hopeful for in the time when people feel so little hope. Amen? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for giving us hope. Hope that maketh not ashamed. And today we trust you, Lord, that everything that you have said will come to pass will come to pass. You have said that you are building your church. And that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You have said that you will establish your kingdom. And that that kingdom will have no end. You have said that by uh, and through us that you will do mightier deeds than you did while you were here on this earth. I pray today in the hope of these things that you would lead us into the good works that you have before ordained that we might walk in them. In Christ's name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.